0: I'm Tisha Bader, and in the news, once again, a spate of mass shootings here in the United States, this time in California with three deadly shootings within a 44-hour period, 19 lives wiped out. On January the 21st in Monterey Park, 11 dead. On January the 23rd in Half Moon Bay, seven dead. And again, on January the 23rd in Oakland, with one dead, seven injured. But sadly, the names of these cities, communities, and numbers of victims are just the latest on a very long and tragic list that includes random attacks, as well as specific targeting of communities and minorities, including, of course, the Jewish community, as we know all too well, like in Poway and Pittsburgh. Well, what is being done in the face of this violence, and what does the Jewish community have to say about gun control and other efforts to stop this phenomenon. Rabbi Jonah Dove Pesner is the director of the Religious Action Center of Reform Judaism. He also serves as Senior Vice President of the Union for Reform Judaism. He has been named one of the most influential rabbis in America by Newsweek Magazine, and he is a tireless advocate for social justice, including efforts to end gun violence. And he joins us now from Bethesda, Maryland. Jonah, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you, Tisha. Thank you for telling this very important story.
0: So what is and what can be done, Jonah?
1: So much. And I speak as a rabbi. I speak as a father. My own kids were in lockdown yesterday at their school. Uh, Too many of our children are growing up as if it's normal uh, to have active shooter drills and lockdowns to have mass shootings in their schools. And of course, every day is a day of gun violence in our country. There are more guns than people in our country so far this year there have been more mass shootings than there have been days in this year. And of course, every day, people are the victims of gun violence because of suicide, because of domestic violence. Um, because of crime. So it's not just the big headlines that we see. And as you referenced, I would say this as a rabbi who has been not only to the funerals of people who've impacted, I was at the Tree of Life Synagogue in the hours after that massacre. I was down at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas School in the hours after that massacre. And I, as a rabbi, should not as with any priest or pastor or imam or minister have to stand with children and try and answer their questions. The why, why could this happen? How could it happen? And the violence of guns, uh, though it targets Jews, as in the case of the violent anti-Semitic anti-Jewish attacks, this past week, the AAPI, the Asian American Pacific Islander community, the celebration of their Lunar New Year was devastated by this plague. It's the year of the rabbit, a symbol of peace and tranquility. And of course, we know the Black African-American community has been impacted. The LGBTQIA community has been impacted. Uh, This is a movement or a plague that knows no movement, that knows no race, it knows no gender, it knows no religion. We're all victims, although some are impacted more than others, and we should talk about that.
0: Absolutely. Let's talk about the specific calls for action that are noted on your website, urging Congress to enact legislation. Talk about some of those efforts and where things stand at the moment.
1: Thanks so much for asking. And I would urge people to visit RAC.org to click on the gun violence tab and see what you can do because there is real legislation. Unfortunately, the gun lobby And the so-called NRA, which I hope will become the not relevant anymore lobby, um, has told a story as if it's inevitable that uh, it's people that kill and not guns. Well, study after study after study show, number one, the more guns there are, the more people that die or are wounded by gun violence. Full stop. Other countries in the world have actually passed laws and protections and many, many fewer gun deaths and gun violence. Number two, the data all show that there are things that we can do for harm reduction. There are many laws we can pass that would actually reduce the plague of gun violence. Two very specific things. Background checks. Tisha, 90 percent of Americans actually agree. So when people make this myth about polarized America, we agree there should be background checks and we need to close the three major loopholes. There's the gun show loophole, there's the waiting period loophole, and there's the so-called boyfriend loophole. And what that means is that if somebody's background check takes more than three days, as is with the Charleston massacre of black Christians in worship, uh, then suddenly they can buy their gun or with the so-called boyfriend loophole. That means that if somebody uh, is, is uh, if there is a woman who is or a, a man is the victim of domestic violence, uh, it shouldn't just be the spouse that would not be able to buy a gun, any person who is a perpetrator. And then just because it's at a gun show doesn't mean that it shouldn't be uh, for a background check. And then finally, the assault weapons ban. And this after Sandy Hook, the idea that the United States Congress couldn't restore what was the law of the land. Remember, for, for years we had an assault rifle ban. There is no reason that uh, any human should have a weapon of mass destruction and bringing it to a synagogue, into a supermarket into a school or any place so we can close the background check loopholes we can ban assault rifles and many fewer people will die
0: you mentioned sandy hook and i i always remember somebody said and and it's something that's been thought of probably by most americans in this country if nothing happened after that when children were murdered then what will it take like that was you know not that each of these incidents is horrific, but that was just beyond and nothing changed. Yeah.
1: You know, we're Jews. And so we take the arc of history. Um, We're reading in our Torah portion cycle, the story of the Exodus from Egypt, which went on for 300 years. Our ancestors, some of them were born into slavery and and, and died before slavery ended. As within America, there are the descendants of African slaves, some of whom were born into slavery and lived long past the time when it uh, when it ended. There was a time when lynching was normal in this country. And I work with an Episcopal priest who likes to remind me, we ended lynching. So this is one of those times in American history where we can't let one more mass shooting make us uh, inured or, or kind of desensitized to it. This will be a generational fight. And young people are leading us. Uh, It's those young people, many Jewish, and I'm deeply proud of them uh, from Parkland, Florida, and in an intersectional way across lines of race and class and faith that are organizing together to raise a generation of activists uh, who will reclaim our democracy and pass the laws that will protect ourselves and our children.
0: Now, there was sweeping gun legislation passed last year by Congress and signed into law that did move forward somewhat slightly there are certain aspects now of background checks and certain you know for certain age groups or something can you explain that a little bit and and how much of an impact if if it has been major or if it's really just the tip of the iceberg
1: it's kind of a, a good news challenging news the good news is many people will be saved and lives will be protected because of the particular whether it's red flag laws or Uh, other parts of the regulations. But the bigger picture, just besides the fact it will reduce gun violence, is it finally broke the stranglehold the NRA has had on our Congress. There was finally a bipartisan agreement that we need to do better and we need to do more. This was just the opening bid in what will be, as we said just a minute ago, a years-long campaign to reduce gun violence. So I think people should take away, number one, we will see fewer people injured and harmed by guns. And number two, it proves that change is possible. And by the way, we're not going to just wait for Congress. Every state is a possible site of good gun violence reduction legislation. So people should call their state reps and legisl- and uh, representatives as well and trying to effect change on the statewide level, not just on the federal level.
0: And I want to talk about, let's talk about New York State for a minute. Um, there were some laws, some legislation passed, and actually last year, a group of Jewish Jewish gun owners, and I don't know how big a group, we're probably talking about a relatively small group, um, sued the state of New York for the right to carry gun in a synagogue, saying that this was a matter of self-defense and protection. How how do you respond to somebody who says, look, I need to be able to defend my congregation, my people, et cetera. What what do you say to someone who is of that opinion?
1: Yeah, and I I wanna acknowledge Judaism is not a pacifist religion. Uh, We understand that we have to protect and defend ourselves. Um, And we're also a learned people of the book. So I would urge people just to read the data, Look at the research, look at the all of the data, which suggests the fewer guns there are, the few, the less violence there is and the fewer people that are impacted. The more we reduce the ability of people to get guns and get guns out of the hands of people, the more we have the rule of law and trust law enforcement, the fewer spaces and and. Uh, uh, community moments will be in where we would feel the need to defend ourselves uh, with firearms. We have a a congregation I'm aware of where a member brought their firearm into synagogue because they wanted to, quote unquote, defend themselves and they shot themselves in the foot. You can't make this this stuff up. You know, the expression you shot yourself in the foot. It isn't funny when it happens, you know, to somebody. Uh, So I think we need to take a deep breath. The Jewish community is not alone in being afraid. Obviously, uh, there's discussion among the African American community, the AAPI community, the LGBTQIA community. How do we keep ourselves safe? More guns will make us less safe. It's, it's quite, uh, quite obvious. One other thing I also want to add, because we've been lifting up all of the marginalized groups and all of the minority groups who are impacted by gun violence, we should remember that 15% of the American Jewish community is not white. We have Black Jews, we have Brown Jews, we have Asian American Jews. Obviously, we have a significant population of the LGBTQIA Jews. Uh, we have Jews with mental illness and other forms of disability. So Jewish people are impacted by the plague of gun violence in all of these ways. Uh, it happens to our people because they're the victims of anti-Asian hate. It happens because of the stigma against mental health. We have to take a collective and solidarity-based approach to ending the plague of gun violence.
0: And you mentioned some of these really common sense laws like universal background checks, banning assault rifles, simple, seemingly very obvious things that should be in signed into law in this country. And you're saying also most of the country would agree with that. Why is it so hard to get this through Congress?
1: You know, I think most of your viewers know what we all see, which is that we've become incredibly polarized and the gerrymandering, the kind of anti-democratic elements of our system, whether it's the uh, gerrymandering, the filibuster, parts of the electoral college, unfortunately amplify the voices of the most extreme and preference primaries where people to get elected run in the most extreme positions. And so bipartisan compromise is harder and harder to reach. But we're the jewish people okay for thousands of years we've lived in different spaces and places Uh, we're blessed to have our israel as a sovereign nation at this time in our history but it wasn't always so and one of the things that the jewish people has always done is been a voice of justice of equity and of reason our prophets preached for a reason and our rabbis have taught And so we are trying to teach Republicans and Democrats, liberals and conservatives, people in rural states and urban centers to find ways to do what the Torah quite clearly teaches us, not to stand idly by while our neighbors bleed. And sadly, it's no longer just our neighbors who are bleeding. It's our own children in our schools. It's our own uh, members of our community and families and our synagogues. So we need to be a voice of moral reason that lifts people above the partisan, narrow food fights uh, that I see here in Washington, DC.
0: Let's talk a bit more about Judaism as a source for, looking at this problem. On your website, it also mentions a very known uh, quote in the Talmud about the sanctity of life. Can you talk a bit about that and how that informs what you're trying to educate and and advocate for?
1: I love that you not only studied our website, but our Jewish sources too. And I urge people again, rac.org, explore. We have deep Jewish learning about all of the issues that we work on, including preventing gun violence. And one of my favorite things when I teach, uh, if you save a single life, you've saved an entire world. But if you destroy a single life, you destroy an entire world. When I teach that, uh, many, many people of other faiths come running up to me and saying, Rabbi, we have that in our tradition too. Of course, it's recorded in the Quran with our cousins in the Muslim community. Um, But Jews have as our core tenet from the biblical text uh, right through rabbinic literature, the importance of preserving human life, Uh, and everything that we can do. And so guns are antithetical uh, to all of that. Obviously, the very first story of our tradition, there is the first humans, the first man and the first woman who birthed the first children. And what's the first public act that occurs? A fratricide. And after Cain kills Abel, God cries out, the voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from the earth. Tisha, think about what that means after Parkland and Mar- Marjory and Douglas High School, after Uvalde, after Monterey Bay, Monterey Park and Half Moon Bay, in e- and, and of course, after Tree of Life, after every one of these shootings, it is an infinite cry from the earth, crying up to God, who then cries out to us, Ayeka, which means, where are you? Where are you? And as Cain asked, am I my brother's keeper? We are all our sisters and our brother's keepers. It is on us that we haven't passed sensible gun reforms. It's on us that we haven't reduced the plague of gun violence. It's on us that we can't walk and chew gum at the same time. We have to address the mental health crisis, which there is without stigmatizing people who have mental illness. Because if we got guns out of the hands of people, then we wouldn't have a crisis of people who have mental illness. If we did something about domestic violence, and realize there's a disproportionate impact, mostly women, but some men who are the victims of domestic violence. You know, Margaret Atwood famously said that uh, men are afraid that women will make fun of them, and women are afraid of men with guns. The statistics are startling and chilling the number of domestic violence disputes that end with a woman being murdered by a man. So that's just another example of the kind of uh, urgency. That we deal with this crisis at its roots and we get the guns out of people's hands.
0: Talk a bit about. I know you held a special Shabbat weekend um, in just this past just uh, this past December. I believe that was also connected to a parshat Shavua to the um, the, por- the portion of the Torah that was read that weekend to prevent gun violence. Let us know what that was about.
1: Well, what's, what's incredible is that uh, every week uh, we can pull a lesson from our Torah and we can apply it to our lives. Um, and so uh, it's quite remarkable that this very week we're going to read about the parting of the seas and we'll read about the ways in which the plagues uh, enabled our people to be liberated from their bondage or from slavery. And there is that famous moment at our Seder tables when uh, we will dip our fingers into our cups of sweet wine and remove 10 drops of wine for the 10 plagues and that ritual that custom is because of the midrash in which god said to the children of israel when the seas crashed and closed on the egyptians and our ancestors it now free our hebrew ancestors started singing in rejoicing god said stop the egyptians are my children as well and i weep for them And so it could be that it's 10 drops of joy being removed from our cups or 10 drops of blood as the blood is shed. So whether it's the ancient uh, Egyptians, the ancient Israelites, or the modern plague of gun violence today, there is a, the drops of blood have turned into a rainstorm, a tsunami of blood. We as Jews cannot stand idly by while our people are bleeding.
0: So this weekend, that the weekend you held in December, the Prevent Gun Violence Weekend, was that uh, like a social media campaign where you had people so, sharing what they were doing?
1: Yeah, so we what we try and do is partner across the faith communities. So gun violence prevention Shabbat is observed in Christian congregations, too, for the Sabbath, uh, in uh, Muslim mosques on the Friday, Jumani prayers. And we ask people to dig deep into their spiritual texts, their scripture, but also to center the voices of survivors and to hear the stories. Uh, And so many people now have stories uh, of loved ones. A rabbi that I work very closely with, his own father was murdered. He was a store owner and was murdered at the hands of a gun. Um, I I just was exchanging Twitter messages with Fred Gutenberg, Jamie Gutenberg's father, a blessed memory who lost his daughter um, and Parkland. We need to ask our survivors, if they're courageous and willing to tell their stories so that we can both remember those that we've lost and we can remember the people that were victims and that we can surround our families who are the survivors with love and comfort but then we can hear their stories as a call to action that we will not let their uh, memories die in vain, that their lives be in vain, but that their memories will literally be for a blessing. You know, we say, Zichronam livracha. may their memories be for the blessing, the blessing uh, of Jamie, the blessing of Rabbi Mossbacker's father, the blessing of the tens of millions who have died from guns over the many, many years, is the possibility of preventing future carnage.
0: And I love that you said that also, Jonah, because because of the number of incidents that happen, as you mentioned earlier, we can become desensitized. or let's just say, we block it out because it's it's too much, you know, it it's it becomes overwhelming. and it becomes almost normal. And when we hear from the survivors and we hear from family members of the victims, we're reminded that it's not just a number, it's a person, it's a face. It's a life that has affected so many other lives.
1: That's right. God forbid it ever becomes normal.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I just want to ask you about a tweet you sent out um, when the one of the California shootings happened, and you wrote, how can we explain to our children why we treat human life with such disregard that we allow these massacres to happen over and over again? Will they ever forgive us, and should they? What were you feeling in that moment you're you're a father yourself as you mentioned earlier talk about that sort of responsibility and how do we how do we explain it how do we say we let this happen in a way
1: i put this in the context of a 30 year career over which time this country became a country in which there are more guns than people in which the assault weapon ban was not renewed into law in which the mass shooting became normal, in which mass destruction and daily carnage of gun violence became normalized. And so I said, I've said to my own four daughters who range in age from 18 to 25 and have grown up with this. And I said to the young people in Parkland when I went to go weep with them, I said lefanecha, we have sinned before you. And normally we say those words to God on high holy days, we have sinned before you. I believe that my generation has sinned before our children, that we could have bequeathed them a world in which they have to make sense, both of the reality of their lives of lockdowns and shooter drills and mass carnage and the theological conundrum that such a world could be. And All I can say, I have no deep theological insight as a rabbi. All I can say is, I have sinned and I take responsibility.
0: And I always try to end an interview on a positive note. And I know it's tough with this story. But um, as you mentioned on your website, and of course, um, there are organizations across the board that are advocating for gun control. And there are things to be done. Give us some sense of hope, light at the end of the tunnel, as a rabbi, as a human, as a father, that we can sort of say, okay, there's something we can ultimately change this narrative.
1: It is this generation of young people. I have faith in God, and I have faith in them, and if God lives anywhere, it's among them. This generation of young people, the march for our lives, folks, and beyond, they will not allow the world as it is, which is suffering from this plague of gun violence, to be the world that it should be or the world that they will hand their children. I'll support them as we all should and advocate and activate our networks and speak out, but we need to let them lead and they will build a better world for their children and their children's children. I couldn't be more proud of our young people.
0: Well, thank you so much, Jonah, for joining us here today and also for the work that the RAC is doing on a daily basis for this cause and other social justice causes, we appreciate it. And um, we we hope for better days to come, and and that people will be inspired to to do more to see what we can do to to change this seemingly endless uh, cycle of violence, and hopefully less people getting hurt, less people getting killed, and and more hope for the future.
1: Amen. Amen.
0: Rabbi Jonah Pesner is director of the Religious Action Center of Reform Judaism in Washington, D.C. We thank him so much for his time today. Thank you, Jonah. And thank you as always to our director, Sloan Copeland, managing director, Dara Galab, technical manager, Michael Paley, transmissions manager, John McDevitt, producer, Carol Lilienthal, and executive producer, Mark Gollub. And thank you for watching JBS.